Random Thoughts brings you the news and information you need to know before you need to know it. Today, I discuss how I was right about the Trevor Bauer case and also correct about the effect that deep fakes will have on our society. That and a whole lot more on today's Random Thoughts. Hello and welcome to episode number 249 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. And on today's show, I want to talk a bit about a story I brought you a year or two ago when this first started, the story of Trevor Bauer then star pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He was accused of doing some things to a woman and MLB in their infinite wisdom decided that he was at fault. This went through a lengthy court ordeal where he was never found guilty of anything in the courts. And Trevor Bauer was smart enough, I guess, that he filed a countersuit against the woman. This was the story where he met her, whether it was online or in person, and then she asked for some more rough things in the bedroom, and then afterwards claimed that he had beat on her. There were some things that had slipped out when we last talked, including a video of the woman the next morning in his bed while he is sleeping next to her, just giving a little bit of a smirk. But Trevor Bauer was smart enough that he filed a countersuit because when you file a countersuit, then you're open for discovery. We hear a lot about this in the political stuff, especially with Donald Trump. There's a lot of these cases where you're like, well, why would this person sue this person? Why would Trevor Bauer, multimillionaire, multi-million dollar pitcher why would he even file a countersuit against this woman that had claimed he had done these things and the answer is because then you get a lot more information and now that the legal proceedings are over he is able to speak about what happened so this is going to be a rare random thoughts episode where i'm going to bring you a clip from a video that Trevor Bauer released giving his side of the story. And I think that pretty much everything that I predicted, I said, hey, wait a minute, let's remember that Duke lacrosse team. People will ask you, well, why? Why would these women lie? Why would anybody lie? Does it matter? The bottom line is we know people lie. And it's quite often for money, especially when you've got somebody that has a lot of money and they're in the public eye. It's very easy to make accusations. And in this case, again, I question why Major League Baseball decides that they can be the authority on these things because his career was ruined. He went to Japan. He lost a very lucrative um, uh, 
contract and I'm sure a bunch of deals that he had with companies for doing other things where he was bringing in money. But let's listen here and I'll stop this along the way. This is his side of the story about what happened and information that he was able to gather because of filing the lawsuit against the woman that claimed he had beaten her. No, it wasn't just for the money. No, women don't lie. No. Next victim, star pitcher for the Dodgers. A text Lindsay Hill sent to a friend before she ever even met me. What should I steal? She asked another in reference to visiting my house for the first time. The answer, take his money. So right there, sorry, that glitched a little bit at the beginning. But next victim, star pitcher for the Dodgers. These were in her text messages. This was before she had uh, contacted, before she had met. Trevor Bauer had her sights already sent. And then another text message before going to his house for the first time, asking her friends, oh, what should I steal? Sounds like a nice girl, doesn't it? The kind you want to bring home to mom. So very little question. If MLB had this in their information, if in their investigation, I mean, this again is why your employer shouldn't be doing an investigation. They don't have the reach to get the information that's really needed they're like oh we'll talk to the other people oh boy they just woman said he did it so i guess he did no mlb turns out not to be i still think trevor bauer should have about a billion dollar lawsuit against major league baseball maybe we'll see that he hasn't said anything maybe that's not something he's looking to do maybe i'm just a little bit more vindictive but as you're seeing here the evidence is pointing in one direction. So how might that work? I'm going to his house Wednesday, she said. I already have my hooks in. You know how I roll. Then, after the first time we met, net worth is 51 mil, she said. Bitch, you better secure the bag, was the response. Oh, what does that mean? Yeah, I don't think there's any question here. And again, these are the text messages from this woman that claimed he had done the things to other friends of hers, including an XMLB pitcher from uh, another squad. So this doesn't seem to be a one-time thing either. So maybe we'll find out this wasn't the first time she tried to pull something like this. Should be interesting. Uh, but, but how is she going to do that? Need daddy to choke me out, she said. Being an absolute whore to try to get in on his 51 million. Read another text. Uh, then after the second time we met, former Padres pitcher Jacob Nix told her, you got to get this bag. I'll give you 50000 Lindsay replied. Her AA sponsor asked her at one point, do you feel a tiny bit guilty? Not really, she replied. Since then, her legal team has approached me multiple times about coming to a financial settlement. But as I have done since day one, I refuse to pay her even a single cent. Yeah, that's hilarious, too. They were still going after him for money. That's all she wanted was the money. All the text messages showed they want the money. Her sponsor from AA obviously knew something about what was going on and asked, don't you feel guilty? Does it seem like this was a very open and shut case that Trevor Bauer, because he was a rich guy playing for a major league baseball team that he was targeted? Seems that way to me. Uh, in August of 2021, Lindsay Hill's claims were heard in court. And during those legal proceedings, critical information was deliberately and unlawfully concealed from me and my legal team. Uh, information like this video, 
which was taken by Lindsay Hill herself the morning after she claimed she was brutally attacked, emotionally traumatized, and desperate to get away from me. Uh, and now we have the metadata, so there can be no dispute. Uh, it was taken mere minutes before she left my house on the morning of May 16th, 2021, without my knowledge or consent, of course. Uh, in it, you can see her lying in bed next to me while I'm sleeping, smirking at the camera without a care in the world, or any marks on her face. I think it paints a pretty clear picture of what actually happened the evening of May 15th and why the video was originally concealed from us. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, after hearing the evidence available to her, Judge Diana Gold Saltman found that Lindsay Hill had misled the court. She found her claims to be materially misleading. Uh, she denied her request for a domestic violence restraining order, and she found that no sexual assault or non-consensual conduct took place. Now, some of you might not know about restraining order hearings. I know I didn't, but uh, I've since learned that uh, it's extremely rare for a request for a restraining order to be denied because the standard of proof that you need to obtain one is extremely low. So you can make of that what you will. The fact is I was never arrested. I was never charged with a crime and I won the only legal proceeding that took place without my side of the story even being heard. Uh, and most importantly, as I've said from day one, I never sexually assaulted Lindsay Hill or anyone else for that matter. Uh, so I sued her, which prompted her to countersue me. Quite frankly, regardless of the outcome in court, I've paid significantly more in legal fees than Lindsay Hill could ever pay me in her entire life. Uh, and I knew that would be the case going in. But the lawsuit was never about the money for me. It was the only way for me to obtain critical information to clear my name. Uh, the discovery process in that lawsuit recently concluded, at which point uh, Lindsay Hill's legal team again came to us with another proposal to resolve the case. Uh, this time, however, they weren't seeking any money from me. Having received uh, much of the information that had been hidden from us, uh, a small portion of which I've referenced here, um, I was willing to agree to the terms proposed. Both parties would drop their respective lawsuits, and neither of us would pay either side any money. Uh, I also retained my right to speak publicly about the case, something I have not been at liberty to do since June of 2021. So, as of today, both lawsuits have been settled. Now, over the last two years, I've been forced to defend my integrity uh, and my reputation in a very public setting, but hopefully this is the last time I have to do so, as I'd prefer to just remain focused on doing my job, uh, winning baseball games and entertaining fans around the world. So today, I'm happy to be moving on with my life. And it's an important lesson. Again, people lie. This is something that happens every day. And I don't know if everything that Trevor Bauer is saying is 100% factual but he appears to be bringing the facts to the table here and if he wasn't you can rest assured that he would be sued immediately if any of these things that he had just said were not accurate so i would believe at this point that what you just heard as far as what appeared in the text messages from the woman that claimed he had done the things to her that she was the grifter she was trying to pull the scam she targeted him because he was rich and then said, well, how are we going to get his money? Oh, well, I'll have him choke me out. And then this is the story that came out that, no, no, he went too far. He abused her. Hands up. That wasn't the truth. But Major League Baseball is still involving themselves in this kind of a way. I brought you the story of Wander Franco, something that there is really not been any other information about since I talked about it weeks ago. And this all spawned 
from a social media post that claimed he was seeing, dating, whatever nice word you want to put to it, a 15-year-old in the Dominican. A whole lot of questions because you don't spend a lot of time in the Dominican when you're a professional baseball player during the season. Okay, maybe you spend a couple of months there in the offseason. He is a very young guy himself, where in a lot of places, if there was a Romeo and Juliet law, that would have come into effect. But the Dominican, not one of them, which means if the boy is 18 years old in one day and the girl is 17 years old in 364 days and they get together in that way, then he can be charged just the way the law is. But my question when this came up was, is nobody looking at the other reasons why? I mean, sure, there's money. Like this woman was trying to get out of Trevor Bauer. There is the direct money. There is the, hey, we're going to say you did something to me and try to get that money directly from you. The Wander Franco thing kind of struck me a little bit differently. And I don't know if they knew how long this investigation was going to last, but he never played another game for the Tampa Bay Rays for the rest of the season since I brought this story to you weeks ago. And that means he didn't play in the postseason. The Tampa Tampa Bay Rays were looking like a pretty decent team heading into the end of the season. They lost their only two postseason games and are out of the playoffs now. And I've heard that a lot of people may bet on sports. Have you heard that? No, that couldn't be the reason somebody might lie here. It's going to be very interesting to watch how this investigation in the Dominican goes. You have to wonder if there were some people that had money on something. People have been trying to fix sporting events for as long as there have been sporting events. But now that the sports themselves are all in, it's not horrible on the NASCAR races as of yet, but I can see it getting there. I mean, they do their fantasy stuff and they have promotions and there are casinos and other online betting things that are involved with sponsorships. But it's not like every five minutes they're giving you odds and things that you can bet on, which is something I'm seeing now that I've watched a couple of the Chicago Blackhawks games this year. Seeing a lot more betting talk with the NHL. Oh, yeah, you can you can make your bets about anything and everything. And they're showing you the odds. As the game goes on, well, here are the odds. Before the game started, here are the odds after the first period. Oh, here are the odds now. Still go in, get your bets in. And it is so nefarious for people that don't understand how the whole thing works. It's all built to make you lose your money. I mean, they want you to have some fun. They don't want you to lose it all immediately in one second because then you wouldn't come back. Which is why you see these things. And I don't remember which company, I apologize, that was part of the betting with the NHL and on the game that I was watching. But it was like, oh, get $100 in, you know, free rebets or second chance bets. 
up to a thousand dollars, which you're like, oh, well, see, this means I can't lose. You know, when you go look at it, there's always a catch to it. You don't just get your money back if you lose and get to walk away. No, they'll give you a second chance. I mean, if you win, sure, you can then recoup what you had lost, but it's not free money. And the whole system is built in order to hook you and keep you spending money because, again, the system was not put into place for you to win. And the Wander Franco thing, that's really where it still comes down with me. It's like this was, whether it's true or not, the reason it came to light was to get him out of the lineup. And the reality is Major League Baseball, with their knee-jerk reactions, taking somebody off the field while an investigation is taking place, I just don't understand that, especially now that gambling is so embraced by major league sports. When you have a star player being accused of something here in the United States, you're supposed to be innocent until you are proven guilty, not innocent until somebody says that you did something. In the Trevor Bauer case, we're seeing what happened. He is no longer a major league baseball pitcher because he was accused of something that once the facts came out years later, this took years, but it turned out that he was innocent. So the major league baseball concept of, nope, you don't get to play while something's being investigated does not make any sense. And I believe moving forward can do nothing but continue to damage an already damaged sport. But I guess we'll see how they move on with that. Now, Americans not really spending as much money as they used to on live events. And I can see this is something that is not unexpected to me. I've stopped going to live events long ago for a variety of reasons. And one of those was the cost, and that is not simply because of Joe Biden and Bidenomics. That's definitely a part of it right now. But this was going on with Donald Trump before Donald Trump. Going to a Major League Baseball game, my parents had season tickets for 35 years or so. And there were times they'd be like, you want free tickets, free parking? And I'd be like, no, no, because if I want to go to the ball game and have a couple of waters and a hot dog it's going to be four thousand dollars that's only a slight exaggeration but if you had to pay for the tickets the tickets are crazy and the concessions are crazy but this said according to a recent study between the wall street journal and the credit karma folks nearly 60 percent of americans say they have had to cut back on spending on live entertainment this year because of rising costs. It was a survey of approximately 1,000 U.S. consumers conducted at the start of September. 37% of the people that responded said they can't keep up with the rising price of events that they want to attend, while more than 20% 
said they are willing to take on debt to continue to be able to afford their favorite entertainment activities. Now, that was 20% of Americans. I don't know if they had questioned people outside of the United States, but that's a very concerning number. It's almost as concerning as the betting and gambling being everywhere. One out of five people saying, ah, you know, I just want to keep living the way I was. I want to keep going out to concerts. I want to keep going out to ball games. I'm willing to just keep putting it on the credit card and going further and further and further into debt. Because, I mean, why should I stop going to things that I can't afford? Well, the answer is right in there. It's because you can't afford them. You're not being fiscally responsible. And I don't think this is just on live entertainment. I'm sure live entertainment is a part of it. Although there are always the exceptions. Look at Taylor Swift. Biggest concert tour. It has to be of all time. Because the numbers being thrown around are that she's going to come out of this with maybe over $4 billion grossed on that. Which the original numbers, they people were thinking it'd be like a billion, which is crazy. But then you up that to over four. No, I don't know exactly what that is for her take home, but there was somebody that did the estimations that said, oh, yeah, she's she's dating this NFL player. She makes in a day what he makes in a year. That's pretty impressive. And they just opened up with a concert film of Taylor Swift. And of course, the the haters are like, oh, it didn't even hit 100 million in the first weekend. But it is it is already the highest grossing concert film ever produced. And it was close to 100 million in the first three days. Which concert films usually do not get a whole lot of love. I've seen every now and then Metallica did one earlier this year. Maybe it was last year where they did a performance and it was broadcast live to movie theaters. And I think maybe there was one other showing of that concert. That's usually the way things go, where it's like a one time thing. It's a big deal. And then it's done. This is showing as a regular movie would. And I went to look at what our local cinemas are showing. And yeah, Taylor's on IMAX. She's on the big screens and on the regular screens where it seems like it's almost every screen in the movie theater. Because looking at the times the other day, it was like, oh, it's playing at noon. It's playing at 1215. It's playing at 1245. I mean, it was starting, it's seemingly like three times an hour. So every screen is probably showing this. Because Hollywood, you know, they're on strike and everything that's coming out of Hollywood lately kind of sucks. But people are obviously still spending money on Taylor Swift. The amount of money coming into every city, I believe I talked about that when she was here in Chicago. The hotels in Chicago have never been as occupied, never been as full, almost a full 100% occupancy for any other event. But for the Taylor Swift concerts, people were coming in, they were spending money, they were going to bars, they were going to restaurants, 
Now, according to this, about one out of five of them probably went into debt. And with the Taylor Swift stuff, maybe more than that, because people were spending thousands in order to get the tickets. The survey also showed that 26% of the people that responded say they don't spend any money at this point on live entertainment. That is up from 16% when they did a similar survey before the COVID pandemic. So that's a pretty big jump, 10% in the matter of a few years. But it would make sense on a variety of ways. One, people have less money. Inflation is running rampant. And with the live events, psychologically, I think there's a lot of people who still do not want to go into crowds. So that would kind of carry over as well. I just think that cell phones and other, well, people being asshats and cell phones are the biggest reasons why going to live events are a lot less fun. Everybody wants to hold up their phone and try to record the performance so they can put it on YouTube and you can see some really grainy, crappy, moving around, bouncing around video with some really crappy, can barely hear it audio. And it was funny because the people going to these Taylor Swift movie showings are acting like they're going to a concert. I saw a guy in the UK that was like, I want my money back. I can't even hear the audio. I can't even hear Taylor singing because people are so loud and playing with their cell phones and taking selfies and doing all the things you really don't want to deal with unless you're 12, I guess. Like anything else, I'm sure I'll see the Taylor Swift concert footage at some point, but it'll be way better when it can be on my television playing through my audio system you don't have to deal with anybody nobody's going to stand up in front of you nobody's going to yell nobody's going to scream nobody's going to sing along except maybe me and i sing on key of course but live entertainment as well as anything else right now it's not a surprise to me that people are spending less money on it the very scary part again is the fact that 20% of the people who find that they really need to keep going out to live concerts or sporting events decide that it's worth going into debt for. And I think that is just a little bit crazy. The never ending stories about deep fakes are continuing. I'll take another victory lap because I covered that here on random thoughts long before. Most other people were covering it. And it's interesting to me to see how it is being covered. And this is what you should really notice no matter what big news story it is. When anything continues to pop up in the news over and over again, you want to ask yourself why it's happening, what the people that are pushing that particular story, that particular narrative, what are they trying to accomplish? This comes from Wired Magazine. Deep fake porn is out of control. New research shows the number of deep fake videos is skyrocketing. And the world's biggest search engines are funneling clicks to dozens of sites dedicated to the non-consensual fakes. Well, first off, it's not a surprise that deepfake videos are skyrocketing. The technology to make them 
has improved to the point where anybody can do it with almost zero learning curve. You just download the software. It's like, okay, which face do you want me to use? Give me a video. Give me a video that you want to swap the face onto and then give me a photograph one. That's all you need. And I will take the, as the software saying, I will take that face and put it on the video. There are multiple programs out there that will allow you to do this. A lot of them are open source. You can't put the genie back into the bottle. This deep fake stuff is here to stay. And a lot of people focus on the pornography end of it because of the implication that had because people who did not appear in pornography can see themselves in pornography because somebody's going to take their photograph and add it to that kind of a video. But the whole thing, again, comes down to anything you see on the news, that talking head. You have no idea if that's real. That video of somebody doing something to somebody else, you know, hitting them over the head with a brick. You don't know if that's real. You have to question everything at this point. And the fact that we continually have the non-tech journalists out there talking about things like deep fake that I kind of get because they're like, oh, big, scary. We don't understand how this works. The tech journalists, they know exactly how this works. And this is a twofold. And this is just in the subheading telling you that, well, the amount of videos are skyrocketing and oh no, those bad search engines are funneling them clicks. So, I mean, this to me already, my brain goes into overdrive and it's like, well, okay, they're going to go after both any site that allows any video whatsoever. Cause you could be like, well, we just want to go after the people that have the deep fake videos. Yeah, but there's no way to know which ones are deep faked and which ones aren't. So how do you go after the people that are with the videos? It's very hard to do. And then the search engines, you're expecting the search engines to know what they're funneling things to. But the way search engines work, they're just telling you, hey, I found this on the Internet. Here's how you get to it. The search engines do not host any of the videos. So how do you go after them? This Wired story begins, quote, Google and Microsoft search engines have a problem with deepfake porn videos. Since deepfakes emerged a half decade ago, the technology has been used to abuse and harass women using machine learning to morph someone's head into pornography without their permission. Now the number of non-consensual deepfake porn videos is growing at an exponential rate, fueled by the advancement of AI technologies and an expanding deepfake ecosystem, end quote. So one, I guess it's only harassing women. I can understand that when it comes down to the pornography aspect of it, that that is probably the case, but I'm sure it's not only women. The number of non-consensual deepfake porn videos is growing. I would ask how many are consensual? Why are you even adding that line into it? And the fueled by the advancement of AI technologies also, it's like, whoa, 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 we're going to have to do something about who can access all of this AI stuff. 
It continues, quote, a new analysis of non-consensual deepfake porn videos. Again, do you have to add non-consensual to this? Conducted by an independent researcher and shared with Wired shows how pervasive the videos have become. At least 244,625 videos have been uploaded to the top 35 websites set up either exclusively or partially to host deepfake porn videos in the past seven years. According to the researcher who requested anonymity to avoid being targeted online, end quote. Well, isn't that rich? You have so a researcher won't even tell you who they are. But here's the data I found. And they found that there have been about a quarter of a million videos uploaded over the last seven years. I think YouTube gets about a quarter of a million videos a day. So that doesn't really say that this is when you compare it to the other videos online. This doesn't seem like it is the epidemic that they want to make it out to be. And they go on in this article from Wired written by a guy named, uh, I'm assuming a guy, Matt Burgess. And of course, the problems are going to be in all of the usual suspects. It's all about reducing your free speech is what it comes down to. Because this question of how does this hate, you're seeing this now, Elon Musk taking a lot of heat because of what's going on in Israel. Because, oh no, how do these hateful posts, how do they spread on the internet? You really don't need to study it. It's because somebody uploaded it to the internet. The only way to keep hateful content off the internet is, oh, wait, you can't. Same thing with pornography. How do you keep it off the internet? You don't. How do you keep deep fakes off the internet? You do not. It is not going to happen. It is something you can try to moderate. The deep fake thing's even more interesting because then how do you know if they're real? How do you know if they're deep fakes? If you're just going after the deep fakes and you don't have a way, to determine with 100% accuracy what is a deep fake, what is not, then how do you deal with that? All of this again, oh no, this is targeting women. This is targeting children. We must do something about it. And I'm not saying it's not, but these are the usual things they go for when they're trying to shut down speeches. Won't you think of the children? What are we going to do? We have to do something about it. We can't allow this to continue. Just as there was a story about the shooter in the Covenant School killings that people want the manifesto released. And some of the parents are like, no, we feel if that's released, our kids are going to kill themselves. And I'm like, well, then one, get them off the Internet because they're not going to be able to read the manifesto if they're not on the Internet. And maybe this, again, comes down to a parenting problem more than anything else. Because when it comes to deep fakes, I'm just going to tell you right here, they're going to be around forever. They're not going to go away. If you're an attractive female, somebody's probably going to put you into a deep fake. Doesn't have to be somebody famous. Anybody you know, this is why the more photographs that you post online, the more videos you share online of yourself, the easier it is because the more content people have of you, 
the easier the easier it is for them to do something like a deep fake. You have to be aware of this and you just have to deal with it. If you're not willing to deal with it, don't be on the internet because there's no putting the genie back into the bottle. Deep fakes are here, deep fakes are not going away. The best you can hope for at this point is to teach your children how to handle these things when they happen and for us as a society to be very careful about how we deal with punishing people that create the deep fakes you don't want to go into the point to where you start really messing with free speech you messing with art and all of this stuff when you're hearing now about like it's it's digital harassment and the digital harassment can take all sorts of different forms and it's just a buzzword and we have to be careful like i'm not saying i want people to go out there and take somebody else's image and create something that they don't like with their image on it but there is a certain free speech aspect to this and right now we are not prosecuting criminals who actually commit violent offenses against women and children so the whole we're worried about what's happening on the internet and that somebody's merging a couple of photos together you have to be careful about that you have to be careful and understand the implications of once you start going well of course we should moderate all posts to x are all posts to facebook where does it end and who gets to decide what is able to be posted and what is not these questions we need to continue delving into as things like the deep fake story continues to grow this random thoughts podcast continues to grow week by week episode by episode and it is a value for value podcast, which means the shows go out there. They're not behind a paywall. You get to decide if you've gotten any value out of the show whatsoever. And if so, you can get some value back to us by going to our website, random thoughts, R A N D U M B thoughts.com slash donate. Once there, you can make a one time or monthly donation by clicking that donate button. That'll take you to PayPal. You can use the QR codes or wallet addresses if you want to do the crypto thing. You can use the P.O. Box address if you want to go the snail mail route. If you're already on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash random thoughts. And if you are in the podcasting 2.0 ecosystem, you can stream us some Satoshis. Send us a boost. Send us a boostagram. Just go over to newpodcastapps.com for more information on that. For today's show, we have a 10,000 Satoshi boost from Sir Brian with an I who says, I haven't missed an episode since I started listening. Granted, it's only been two episodes, but that's loyalty. See you Sunday mornings where my wattage will be full. My cottage will be full of wattage. Yeah, that's the whole thing with the rock and roll pre-show. We pump the wattage into your cottage, blast the bass all over your face, stream the bits and bites for the names and nights and the rest of you trolls out in Gitmo Nation. That is the No Agenda pre-show. No Agenda is coming up on episode number 1600. On Thursday of this week, the show I do with Larry Blydner called Planet Rage is hitting episode number 100 next week. And this Random Thoughts podcast 
is hitting episode number 250 next week. There has been no better time ever to donate and support this show as well as the others. But for this one, 250, let me know. Do you want more? Do you want less? But it's been a fun ride so far. This is episode 249, 250. Next week, random thoughts. And then we had uh, our buddy, Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley. He was streaming some sats while listening, as was Harry Pilgrim and Weirdo. I love the names people pick for themselves on the internet. But it is appreciated, everybody that has supported the show financially through the first 249 episodes. It helps keep the web hosting bills get paid, all the microphones sounding good. You need the good audio gear. As I learned from my buddy Bandrew, you really don't need the most expensive audio gear. You just have to know how to use it. But the expensive audio gear is fun if you can afford it every now and then. So support the shows that you like if you can. And if you can't tell a friend about them, leave a review. Do a little bit of that guerrilla marketing that helps podcasts grow through word of mouth. It's all appreciated, as is your time. Thank you for spending this time with me. Thank you for giving me. What could be spent listening to any other podcasts and any other audio books and music, watching something on TV, whatever it is, it's an honor that you choose to tune into this show. If you have any comments or criticisms, feel free to reach out to me, Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at randomthoughts.com. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. Or you can hit me up on Twitter, Darren O'Neill, all one word, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L, the same. At No Agenda Social, if you're on Mastodon, look forward to hearing from you. Looking forward to episode number 250 of Random Thoughts next week. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.